Thank you for downloading Three Idgits in a Pod. We just have a quick announcement before we get started. Supernatural is a show that often deals with sensitive topics in a less than sensitive way. Please check the show notes for episode-specific content warnings if this is concerning to you. Again, thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Supernatural Rewatch Podcast. I am one host, Margaret Downs. I am Patricia Downs. I am Bridget Downs. And we are the Downs siblings. We watch Supernatural, at least the first season. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so to get us started today, um, uh, this is the second episode uh, we are recording on a very sweaty day. Hmm. We had to take a good break to go cool off, standing in front of the fridge. <laughs> In the freezer. Yeah. And the freezer. Um, I am so sweaty. We can do this, though. Mm-hmm. Yep. We're going we're gonna to get through this episode, and then we're going to go cool off again, because it's so hot in this room, we had to turn off all the fans. Because good pod is more important than sweaty bods. <laughs> <laughs> good good pod, more important than sweaty bod, will be our, our mantra this summer, because we're, we're just... deciding to record... This summer. <laughs> or good pod means sweaty bod. Good good pod, sweaty bod. So um, previously on. We get a we get a previously on. We we have a previously on? Oh no, I was just gonna say that there is one. Oh well I then, okay, then we can uh jump right in if we don't really have a rambling open. Yeah. Do we have anything to talk about? We rambled a bit on our, our last one and since this is the same day. Yeah. How did the greatest gen guys ramble an equal amount when they double record? I don't know. They just have a lot to talk about. They do. I don't have an important life. <laughs> Not a lot happens. You're, it's pretty boring. You're in high school. Have your, any of your friends been talking about Supernatural lately? No. <laughs> or or uh, anything interesting lately happening in high school? No, what because is... I don't, I'm not in school right now. Right, yeah. I guess... The thrilling life of a high school freshman. Yeah. And hasn't been that fun for me because I suffer from my from migraine yeah um so you've been missing a lot of school yeah um but everything's fine with that like we've talked to the teachers and stuff it's just annoying at this point yeah and like on top of that there's a pandemic so yeah so so, so all school is weird yeah and i mean i don't really lead a particularly thrilling life either i guess i teach pre-k <laughs> that's something i haven't I... haven't talked about that on the pod before yeah i, I guess i could it, it's. I guess I could talk about teaching pre-K. Um, Anything interesting this past week? On Friday, a ki- I had a kid on the playground come running up to me and <laughs> uh, excitedly ask me to touch his head. <laughs> so I was like, all right, I, I guess I can. And then I touched it and it was so gross and sweaty. <laughs> <laughs> and he thought that was hilarious because, like, <laughs> yeah, he. I, I was like, all right, man, I guess I can. Oh, my God, that's so gross. <laughs> That's so gross. Your head is so wet. And he goes, ha, ha, I'm sweaty. <laughs> yes, you are. You are, and that's disgusting. And he's like, ha, ha, ha. And then he kept, like, for the rest of the afternoon, was trying to get me to touch his head again. Mm. Like, I'm not sweaty anymore. You are, too. I can see it dripping down your forehead. Gross. <laughs> get out of here. <laughs> Just kids and their fluids. <laughs> oh, my God. There's so much snot in pre-K. There's so much snot, and 
at least once a week, I touch something that's sh- that is sticky that should not be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> God, kids are gross. <laughs> I, I, like, I mean, I, yeah, I guess I could open with any cool, any funny pre-K stories yeah. from this week. Yeah. Um, I used to work at uh, Sam's Club doing cake decorating. I did that for a year, and then I, I realized it was too much. I said no. <laughs> I said a year is enough. That's fair. So now I'm just doing my my first job, my uh, uh, original job, which I get to work from home. That's lovely. Which is really nice. <laughs> I can't teach pre-K from home. I have to <laughs> <laughs> physically be there to wrangle 15 three to five year olds. There's a lot of them. There's there's a lot. That's a lot of kids. <laughs> yeah, too many kids. Well, we don't. We didn't really have a speaking of. Is there a speaking of? Speaking uh, of sweaty. Sweaty because this the our our this first guy we see is sweaty. That's right. Speaking of sweaty, we're here we're gonna jump right into season one, episode four of Supernatural Phantom Traveler. Alright, season one, episode four. Uh I, I'm gonna I'm gonna read the episode description first. Mm-hmm. On United Britannia Flight 2485, a man possessed by the spirit of the Phantom Traveler causes the plane to crash, leaving only seven survivors. Was Uh, it referred to as the Phantom Traveler once in the episode? No. Yeah, no. It was not. There there was a, I think Sam goes, it could be a Phantom Traveler, but then they don't come back to it. And they don't tell us what that is, either. No. They don't explain the lore. Because it's not that. No. And pretty they pretty well establish pretty quickly that it's not that. Yeah. Yeah, because they were I don't, saying... I don't think they watched this episode. No, no, no. they watched the first five minutes. <laughs> and then he said something about it, like, yeah, oh, this is a random traveler and we are done. Okay, next episode. I, w- I wonder, because that's what the episode is called. So they saw the title, they watched the plane crash. And, and... then they and then the, said, well, that must be what... This is, this is happening. <laughs> and I, like, well, I just, I wonder if they changed their mind while making the episode. Yeah. Because why, I don't know why they called it Phantom Traveler then. That's weird. So that's not what that was. Um, so we, we do, so yeah, we guess jumping into the episode then, um, we do get a previously on, we do, I, I noted this time, we do see the Kirby knife. Yeah. In the mm-hmm. previously on mm-hmm. that we still haven't seen. <laughs> Sam Hughes, except in the first episode. And they keep doing it like a significant look at his curvy knife in the previously on. And it's weird because it just hasn't come into play yet. Um, but the scene opens on, in an airport and there's a poor, stressed, sweaty guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he looks sweaty and uncomfy. And I like big mood. That's that is me whenever I have to travel places in an organized fashion. Mm-hmm. This whole episode is for me, very, like, I understand all of the anxiety that everyone has in this episode about everything. I hate organized travel (laughs) so much. Um, Everyone's anxieties and fears are absolutely 100% reasonable to me (laughs) in this episode. Um, His, his, uh, uh, wow, that's really reassuring. Thank you to the statistics bathroom man. (laughs) Yeah, he goes goes to the bathroom to wash his face. Uh, Just some random guy comes in and, uh, He's like, what, you a nervous flyer? What are the odds of dying in a plane crash? Like 20,000 to one? And then he's like, ha ha, bye. <laughs> like, like, just think about how many planes there are flying all the time. Yeah. They do crash. Mm-hmm. A lot of flights. I don't like it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, thanks, that's reassuring. Yeah, stinks, bathroom guy. So he's having stressed out bathroom time, and we see this black particle thing come out of the vents. Like a swarm. 
They look like little bugs. Mm-hmm. Lots of little bugs. And then you just sort of fly into his eyeballs. Mm-hmm. Now, I know what this is. I knew what this was when I saw it. Because I've seen the show before. Right. The the way they do the special effects changes later. Okay. A little bit. It's l- later, it's less particles and more smoky. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't, they don't usually go into the eyes. It usually goes into the mouth. But, um, so they they do change how they do this later. But, uh... I, I because I've seen this before, I, I knew what it was. Um, and but e- even if you haven't seen it before, his his sudden change in demeanor, mm-hmm. I think it's pretty obvious he has been possessed. Yes, yep. by something we don't know what yet. Yeah, but I think it's pretty obvious he is now a victim of possession because then he walks onto the plane a completely different person. Mm-hmm. Um, and the stewardess says something to him, like like hi, have a nice flight or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he looks back at her, and his eyes are black. And it really throws her off. Yeah. Well, yeah. You wouldn't, you don't <laughs> you wouldn't expect that. You, you don't expect someone to be walking onto to your plane with, you know, the full sclera contacts. Mm-hmm. Which I don't, I don't even know if they were a thing in 2005. Probably not. Um, so then he's, he's like, she's like, have a nice flight. And he's like, I plan to. And he's like, sir, your delivery is weird and creepy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and also you have black eyes. That's weird. <laughs> And then he uh, he's on the plane, and he's having a nice flight, and he says, he asks the lady about how long they've been flying. She says, 40 minutes. And he says, wow, time really does fly. Yikes. Mm-hmm. Sir, only an evil person would say that. <laughs> only an evil person would make a pun that bad. <laughs> That's how we know you're evil. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, you make those puns. <laughs> and then he has his, I, I just need to get up and stretch my legs. And it's like, well, we know something ominous is happening. Mm-hmm. We know. As he makes his way to the back of the plane. He makes apparent eye contact with some kid uh, yeah, sitting so... by the back of the plane. And he's just sort of like wanders over to the escape hatch. No one's stopping him. Nope. <laughs> just, no one's asking him what he's doing back there. No one's doing anything. And he just walks right up to the door and makes eye contact with that kid as he opens the escape hatch. Yep. He took yeah. it to himself to make the odds of dying for airplanes. Yep. <laughs> Yes. Yeah, he took that. Up, he really took that upon himself. Mm-hmm. So this will be the the, the one, the one in twenty thousand. <laughs> yeah, he gets he gets blown out the door, and we see the uh, the plane loses a tailpiece. Yep, and everything's beeping. The oxygen masks fall out of the ceiling. Everyone's screaming, and we have you know crashing plane situation. Our stewardess um, may, makes it to a seat and grabs an os- oxygen mask, and everything's just everything's panicked. She's probably the best off in this situation since she has to give the instruction before the ride on how to. <laughs> she how knows to exactly do... how to use this oxygen mask. Yeah, yeah. You, well, you hope. So then the you know plane crashes, and then we get our uh, after credits to um, the motel mm-hmm. where we have this long leg shot of a sleeping dean. Yeah. <laughs> and they, the, I thought this was interesting. They established this is episode four now. This is an early character feature we see established. Dean is a dangerous sleeper, mm-hmm. and he is not a morning person. Mm-hmm. Um, we see a shadowy figure enter the room. It's like it's, it's obviously um, Sam. It's obviously, it's, but it's spooky. It's, but they do it. They do it in a creepy, spooky way. But it's like it's obviously Sam. He's, we know he, that silhouette. We, we know that that absolutely huge silhouette with the floppy hair. <laughs> but uh, Dean, you know, maintaining the illusion of sleep, wakes immediately when Sam comes in the door. Mm-hmm. And sort of sleepily adjusts his hand under the pillow. And be, again, because I've seen this show before, I know Dean's got something under the pillow. Right. Like, oh, 
I was like, and I was wondering if they were going to show it, show us what that was, because I was like, I recognize that motion. That's what he does every time someone wakes him up. That's his. I've been I've been woken. Something's in the room. Shift. They don't know I'm awake. To grab some a weapon from under the pillow. That is a uh, a trained and ingrained response to being woken uh, by something that's not friendly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, oh, that's right. Sam's a morning person. Mm-hmm. That too. Sam is a morning person and Dina's not. Mm-hmm. Yep. He comes in with what, coffee and donuts at 545 in the morning. Oh my God. I don't think none of us are morning people. No. Oh, no. I wish I was a morning person. I like being awake in the morning, but having to get up out of bed yeah. is too much. Same with me. Like, I'd love to be up at eight every day yeah. so I could not waste the morning. Mm-hmm. So I could have more time in the day to, like, be myself and not, like, if dad's out of the house that early and mom's out of the house and I have the house myself, then I'll be like, okay, I can, like, actually do stuff and not have to wait until they're asleep late at night and then have that time to myself. Yeah. I, I I am. I have to be at school at 8.30 every day. Oh. So you technically... Physic- physically, physically being there does not a morning person make. Yeah. <laughs> I am I am useless if it's before noon. <laughs> I don't really start to wake up until around noon. Mm-hmm. Um, I am definitely a, a, a night owl. And if, if given a long weekend, just given the barest chance, my schedule immediately reverts. Mm-hmm. I immediately start sleeping in later and staying up later. My natural rhythm is falling asleep around 2, getting up around 10. Yeah. But like right now, my first alarm goes off at 6.30, and it's, it, it sucks. <sighs> it's, so, it's, it's so painful. And so, okay, good that though we're all on the same page. None yeah. of us understand Sam. No. <laughs> um, but it's revealed that this is, is, isn't entirely... I mean, Sam is a normie, morning person, but it's not entirely normal for Sam either. Because Sam hasn't been sleeping. Yep. Yeah. We establish Sam is still having nightmares, like the nightmare we saw in the second episode yeah. where he was at uh, Jess's grave and her hand reached out of the grave and it was very spooky. Yeah. Um, and Sam's like, it's no big deal. And Dean's like, it is a big deal. I need you sharp. Yes. And he's like, like Dean, you don't have to worry about me. He's like, okay, first of all, yes, I do. I'm your big brother. Second, <laughs> you are my hunting partner. I need you to not be falling asleep because we could die mm-hmm. <laughs> if it's a serious situation. And he's like, he's like you're, you're not handling this. You need to like handle this. And Sam's like, oh, yeah, Dean, are you handling it? And then he pulls the knife that Dean was going to grab mm-hmm. out from under the pillow. And I'm like, ah, there it is. Yeah, he's like, are you afraid? And he's like, no. No, I'm not afraid. He's like, what is this? What is this? He's like, that is not fear. That is precaution. <laughs> and then, no, that's not fear. That's a trauma response. <laughs> there, there's, there's Dean's repression at work. Yeah, the, so the, they establish in this episode that he sleeps with a weapon under the pillow. And that, that carries through. He does that. Do not wake up Dean Winchester. <laughs> He will shoot or stab you. <laughs> so they, they established that we haven't forgotten about the nightmare thing. Mm-hmm. Sam is still not over Jess. They, uh, he is still having nightmares about her, but they don't have any leads as to Jess's murder or their dad's location. Let us know that this is going to be another filler episode because they get a tip for a job unrelated to what, to, you know, what they're doing um, from a guy that Dean and John helped a while back with a poltergeist. It's Jerry Panowski. What is his last name? Panowski. Panowski. Okay. Jerry. I like Jerry. I like mm-hmm. Jerry a lot. And this is interesting. This is the first time we see them get to work with someone who is aware of the situation currently. Right. Like, and who isn't going to call them nuts. Right. Or, or that they don't have to tiptoe around to get information out of. Right. Um, he knows the score already. 
he gives he knows the kind of questions they're about to ask so he can, he is able to provide them with resources you know resources to a point there there is a limit to, to what he's able to provide but um he'll he's able to help them out with whatever they need if if they're able to come in and do the supernatural investigation so we have this great when they get to his his place in pennsylvania where he works um we have this great like walk and talk through through his yeah. facility mm-hmm. um <laughs> and we have a we have an extra we have an extra with a line very good line uh so they're talking and sam is like oh yeah you guys you uh dean and dad worked on a poltergeist and then a guy in the, in the background goes poltergeist man i love that movie <laughs> <laughs> jerry, jerry says to the extra no one's talking to you keep walking <laughs> It's a great exchange. I love it. Just random nobody. You don't even see him. You don't. You don't see him. He's not in the shot. You just hear hear from off screen. Poltergeist. Man, I, I, I love, love that movie. movie. <laughs> but we also learn that I mean this this guy. Uh, this is the first time he's Jerry. This is the first time he's meeting Sam. Mm-hmm. But he's heard all about him and he's asking questions like, "Oh, hey, how's college and stuff?" And Sam's like, "Uh, f- fine. I am taking a break from it right now." Mm-hmm. And um, he's like, yeah, I tried to get in touch with John, but I couldn't get a hold of him. Um, so I called called Dean. Um, but last time th- they helped me, John was, you know, so proud. I, I heard all about you, Sam. John's so proud of you. He talked about you all the time. And Sam kind of looks at Dean and Dean's like, mm. like, John, funny way of showing it. You told Sam to stay gone. Yeah. If you went to Go college. To college, don't come back. Funny way of showing you're proud of your boy. That's that man repression thing. Mm-hmm. That's great. Great you're telling a complete stranger how proud you are. <laughs> Fuck John Winchester. Mm-hmm. So, but this, he's, this, this guy seems to be perfectly happy to work with the Winchester boys um, after all the, 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 great, the great favor that the, they did for him last time. So the, he, he functions as their, their contact throughout the episode. Mm-hmm. And sort of their, their touch point that they keep coming back to. Um, he provides them with the, this audio recording from the crash and any resources that they might need. Um, but if this says that if they want to actually look at the wreckage from the plane, they're going to have to find out some other way to do it because he doesn't have clearance for that. Um, and the creepy recording. Mm. The, there's, it's like, oh, there's some whistles and pops and stuff in there. That means ghosts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then weird roaring noises. Yeah. There's like, and then it ended. Yeah, I guess so flight uh, 2485 took off here in Pennsylvania made about 200 miles south, and then they're saying it's mechanical failure. Uh, the cabin depressurized somehow. Nobody knows why. 100 people on board, 7 survivors, including the pilot, Chuck Lambert, who uh, was Jerry's friend, who I guess uh, he said Chuck is, like, broken up about it, thinks that the crash was his fault because he was the pilot, and probably feels really guilty about being a survivor um, when so many other people died. All right, and they established that Jerry... Does not believe he did this on purpose. Do, does not no. believe it is his fault. Yeah, um, and that's one of the reasons he called the Winchesters um, because he's like, this is too weird. This is the case for them. Um, so then we have uh, they go to Copy Jack, <laughs> <laughs> the coffee store, um, and uh, this this is the scene where we they're getting new badges for their next Homeland Security. Yeah, they're they're gonna pr- impersonate Homeland Security. On the way out of the copy store, Dean has, like, we, we've we got to establish, even though there are very few women in this episode with whom he can establish this. Every single woman must be completely attracted to him when they first see him. Yeah, so we this faceless woman, we don't see her face. We no. just see her going into the copy store. 
Dean gives her the down and the up and says, hey. And I thought, then, no, I thought she said, hey. I think he said, hey. She walked past him and goes, hey. And then he goes, hey. Like, oh, he does she... He does end up saying, hey. But she she sees him and then goes, hey. And then, like, he holds the door for her and he's like, hey. And then walks in and looks at Sam like, ooh. Like, yeah, he gives Sam. He goes, oh, wow. He, he, yeah, he goes, wow. So we have to establish Horned as soon as possible. Dean is horny. Dean is horny all the time. <laughs> and this and and therefore is Macho Man. Mm-hmm. So they get in the car and I think they're discussing how there's definitely EVP on the cockpit voice recorder and they play it and they hear somebody saying no survivors. Mm-hmm. And Dean says there were seven. Yeah. <laughs> oh, how how is that related to this? Like there were seven survivors. So a little bit slow on the uptake, Dean. Mm-hmm. There aren't supposed to be any survivors. Yeah. I think that's where they say, like, it could be spirits, death omens, a phantom traveler, mm-hmm. this or that. Yeah, they're, they're not sure yet what this is, and that's where, I guess, the phantom traveler thing comes from, but it's not no. those. <laughs> I do want to point out Homeland Security. This was 2005. Right. 9-11 was only four years prior. All of this was still new. Mm-hmm. And Dean says as much, Sam's like... Like, man, Homeland Security, that's a little illegal even for us. Mm-hmm. Um, they So far, they've stuck to smaller agencies, like, you know, like the Fish and Wildlife Service or... They did um, FBI once. Did they do FBI? They, they did U.S. Marshals. Oh, maybe that was it. They, yeah, the, in the fir- first, first, episode. first episode, they rocked up as U.S. Marshals in jeans and t-shirts. Yep. Um, and then passed the FBI. FBI. Uh, they haven't done... F- I don't think they've done FBI yet. They've done mostly U.S. Marshals... U.S. Wildlife, Forest forest Rangers. Uh-huh. Um, this is a much bigger agency that they're impersonating. This is a much bigger deal if they were to get caught. But so so Sam's like, you know, like, wow, this is illegal even for us. This is kind of a bigger deal. And Dean's like, well, it's a new agency. People aren't used to seeing it as much, so they're less likely to check. Right. I don't think that's true at this point in time. No. Because they... this is this is the the brand new age of... Homeland Security and TSA, everyone is afraid. Mm-hmm. Still pretty pretty immediately after 9-11, everyone was very afraid. Security was much tighter pre- pretty much immediately. It, like, I'm not sure that this logic follows yeah. from Dean. No. Um, so, the, yeah, then they go to, they're like, okay, well, this is how we get in to see, like, the wreckage. Well, we got to talk to um, some survivors first. So Sam picks out their, the first person to talk to who ends up being the kid who saw our, our, our troublemaker on the plane open the door and who checked himself into a psych hospital yep. because he didn't believe what he saw. Poor Max Jaffe. Max Jaffe. And I said, here we go, harassing the mentally ill. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Like, I already spoke to Homeland Security. <laughs> they're like, uh, they're new developments. Uh, could you just answer a few more questions? Uh, you, like, like... It, it felt like like a failed persuasion check that Dean started in on, and then mm-hmm. he sort of does like an eye roll, and then lets Sam take the lead on emotionally connecting to their witness as they're yes. trying to get information out of him. Yeah, um, he thinks he was delusional, seeing things. A guy with these weird eyes <laughs> opened the door. Right, so they're trying to establish whether or not this guy was corporeal, it's like like if he were like a ghost or if if the plane was haunted or something. So they're like, okay, well, was he like flickering in and out, like a like a weird like hologram or something? Was it like but like, like, and like, it's like, what? No, he was a passenger. He was like physically there. And I'm like, okay, well, that's weird because like a, a physical human cannot open that door. Right. Um, so the, now they're trying to figure out like, 
well, maybe it was a creature in human form, something that can change shape. I don't know. Um, but but then they go to this guy's to figure out who this was. George from, Phelps. George Phelps, from the like the passenger manifest, figure out where he was sitting, and they go to his house and they're like, "This doesn't look like a typical monster house. This just looks like some guy's house." And they figure figure as much when they talk to his widow. Like he's this is just some guy with the um, apples on the table. Yeah, so they talk to his widow and... couple things in this scene. <laughs> <laughs> There's some interesting set design in, in this scene. Um, the first, first thing I noticed was the... Whatever filter they were using over this, over this footage is made very obvious mm-hmm. by the strange white apples that are sitting on the <laughs> coffee table. I noticed the... Uh, there's the picture you know, in the frame on the coffee table is just of... George looking displeased to be in the photo. It's not a picture of him and his wife. You know, it's no, this is just what just, you have around your house, right? Just, just, just a picture just, of your just husband. A single, just a single picture of your husband to, to show that he lives here. Mm-hmm. I'm like, so that's him? And she's like, yep. Yep, and he was like that's a normal mine. guy. He was a dentist. He was a dentist. And the only unusual thing she can think of is that he has acid reflux. <laughs> like, and when you met him, he's like, was there anything off-putting or weird about him? She's like, well... And then they lean in, like, hmm? And she's like, he did have acid reflux. And they're like, oh, okay. <laughs> so there's like, well, that they, so he's not a monster. But he's they not... did learn that he was petrified to fly. Yes, he was mm-hmm. very fl- afraid of planes. Okay. So they're like, okay, um, he, he wasn't a monster. So he's still a, a mortal human person who cannot physically open this door, who is, we have a witness who says he did. Well, because there's nothing for it, we gotta go look at the wreckage. But first, we've gotta look the part. <laughs> and this is where they get their first suits. They're not g- gonna rock up to the, you know, top secret government place <laughs> in in jeans and t-shirts. And a leather jacket. They're actually gonna wear, wear suits. Men in black suits, I wrote down. <laughs> Dean said Dean doesn't like it. Yeah. Dean says he looks like a blues brother. <laughs> and Sam says, No, you look like a seventh grader. Yeah, your first school dance. Um, it's it's adorable. I just I'm just oh, it's their first suits. <laughs> this is the first time they wear suits for, for, for a job. This is great. They're adorable. Then we have a little bit of a rock music montage. Uh gets them that which gets them to the um to the site with the wreckage. Mm-hmm. And the the security guy just doesn't check their credentials at all. Oh, flashes they're, badges. Their badges are much nicer mm-hmm. than they were. Um, their their badges before looked very, like, just laminated pieces of paper. Mm-hmm. These these have, like, the actual badge thing mm-hmm. in them. In the little leather case. So. And, but when they get to the guy, the security guy sitting at his table, and they, like, give him the badge, and they're like, Homeland Security, he gives him a naughty... And, like, kind of, I was like, nice. And he's like, yeah, he's like yeah, cool. You guys cool are cool. Guys. And then we get to see, they're walking around the wreckage. The, they've got, you know, there's, at this at this, uh, at this facility, they've got the wreckage of the plane laid out on an outline of the plane so oh, that they, they can see where everything was. I'm trying to figure out what went wrong. <laughs> we drew chalk around the body so, so that we know, know where it was. was. <laughs> and Dean gets out his homemade EMF reader. It's made out of a busted up Walkman. He's so proud of it. Which is what Sam, and Sam's like, what's that? It looks like it's a busted up Walkman. And he's like, yeah, I made it myself. And Sam's like, all right. He's like, and it he's looks like, like it. And he's yep. like, 
Oh, and like, like, man, Dean was so proud of himself, yeah. and he's smarter than he lets on, and smarter than he lets that he than he thinks. He made an EMF reader out of a Walkman, and Sam had to go and be like, "Looks like looks, it. Looks like you made it yourself." Like, like, Sam, don't be rude. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, they find some gross stuff on the the door that blew up. That like the door handle. The door the handle touched. that the guy opened. And he just goes and touches it with his bare fingers. Yeah, yeah. Like, first of all, now your fingerprints are on that, mm-hmm. Dean. You're going to get in trouble. But also, gross. Don't just go touching stuff in an investigation with your bare hands. Yep. You don't know what that is. That could be dangerous, hazardous chemicals. Yeah. So mm-hmm. Sam gets his little knife and scrapes it into a baggie. Yeah, which is how you know that Sam is the smart one. Yeah. That's how they establish that, is that Sam does something kind of sciency, and Dean just, like, touches it with his finger and then wipes it on Sam's jacket. Yeah. <laughs> it would have been even worse, though, if he licked it. Although, they probably would have figured out what it was. Not necessarily. And also, that'd be... You, you, you wouldn't necessarily figure out that it's sulfur by licking it. I thought that's how it worked. Like, if you have a block of sulfur... Don't lick it. Yeah, no. They tell us not to lick it, but isn't it like... Or no, doesn't it smell like... It smells... Yeah. yeah I it mean, smells if you, like rotten eggs. It smells like rotten eggs. Licking it would not help. No. <laughs> Maybe I'm mixing stuff up. There are... I'm thinking... Don't salty. lick rocks. Yeah, I know. There are thing, things in, like, earth science class that you can... Should not lick. <laughs> you can <laughs> Sometimes that if you were to the if sheet. you were to lick them, it would taste salty. Sometimes it says that on the sheet or, they say or like or whatever. They say like sound, smell, and like they have all the senses. And taste. And, and Do not. Our <laughs> teacher was like, please, I swear to God, if I see anyone licking stuff, if anyone tells me that a kid in their group was licking stuff, they will be out of this classroom. And they, of course, there's a kid that ended up licking stuff. So the real Homeland Security guys show up. <laughs> it's like, what, you need more guys in your party? And they're like, huh? They're like, two Homeland Security guys are already in there. And they're like, oh, oh no. Then we get a... Cuts to the guys running in the hallway. Guys with guns. Guys with guns do a run. <laughs> down what must have been a short hallway because they had to like... They're like running in place. Over exaggerate. Not get there I too agree. quickly. <laughs> and oh, um, they just miss them. Oh, they're going out the back door. Oh man, dang! Um, and Sam and Dean are like, 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 don't be suspicious. Don't, don't be suspicious. suspicious. Don't, don't be suspicious. suspicious. Oh no, there's the alarm. Go 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 over the fence. Over the yeah, fence. And Dean's face is like, <laughs> and like he uses uh his coat from his suit to like help him get up to get over the barbed wire. And he's yeah. like, man, these monkey suits really did come in. Dean. We have a brief scene where we see. Um, the pilot Chuck, the pilot Chuck, from um, the the flight that crashed, who's all broken up about it, trying to like psych himself up to go fly a plane again, and he's all he's all sad, and then we see the weird weird swirly black stuff come out of the vents, and go into his eyes eyes, eyes again. Um, and it's like oh no, <laughs> the pilot is now possessed. Yeah, great. Good for him. Um, Flash to Jerry's. Yes, uh, where Jerry confirms that this is sulfur, and they're like, well, that kind of narrows it down. Sulfur means demonic possession. Where they say they've never heard of a possessed person crashing planes like this. They're demons possessing people to crash planes. And they're starting to establish that 
dealing with demonic possession is serious business mm-hmm. that they've not dealt with before. Yeah. This is their the first the first their first demon, or at least without dad. Right. Um, and then we have a another scene of the pilot who is now possessed, uh, flying this little plane. He comes out like, "I'm ready. Let's yeah, do let's this. Do it. Let's do it." And the guy's like, "Ah." There's nothing weird about this since he was basically crying just a little bit ago. Yeah, this this is fine. They get up in the air and they're flying and he's like, hey, how long have we been flying? 40 minutes. It's like, perfect. Yeah. I'm going to say my really line again. Time really does fly. <laughs> Man, time really does fly. And it's the guy looks at him like, oh, like okay, like, dude. What? That's weird. Um, and then he punches the guy out. And Nose goes, dive. Goes into a dive. Yeah, knocks and... his head into the, into the board a few times. And the guy's just like... His head is hanging in the air. And traumatizes a poor farmer as he crashes in his field. <laughs> I was so ready for the plane to actually hit the farmer, yeah. though. I was I was very upset waiting for that, and then I was happy it didn't happen. Yeah. Um, that that would have been sad for the farmer. Yeah. Okay, so then we get a, uh, a clip of Sam doing some, like, research, and we get a shot of the wall behind Sam, mm-hmm. which has now, like, all kinds of... Uh, you know, demonic-related research on it, and it's starting to look like the wall in that motel room that they found that John had been in. Right. And then Sam has uh, some, like, a lore drop moment with some right. pretty dubious lore, mm-hmm. where he says, like, every world religion has demonic possession. And I'm like, ah, I don't think so, Sam. He's like, yeah, in Japanese culture, certain demons cause certain disasters, like earthquakes and disease. And then Dean is like, and crashing planes, and Sam's like, well, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I'm just like, I don't think that's... Sam, Sam, I don't I don't think that's quite right. I don't think every world religion and every culture has demons in the way that you're thinking of demons. Yeah. I think yeah. that's sort of like, eh, hand-wavy to establish that demons are a thing everywhere in this world. Yeah, and Dean's like, I don't know, man, this isn't our usual gig. Demons want death and destruction for its own sake. They're they're establishing that this is much bigger business than they typically deal with. And Dean says, "I wish Dad was here." And Sam's like, "Yeah, me too." Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, they're at this point, they're they're like they're baby hunters, and mm-hmm. it, it's because I've seen the whole show later in the series where like demonic possession is. I mean, it's it's still a serious thing that they do have to take seriously, but it's you know less of a like, oh my god, like we could die. Like they 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 have a protocol later for dealing with it. Mm-hmm. This is their first experience with a demon, and they're right to take it seriously. But it's also really funny to to me to see them just like like oh man, I don't know if we can handle this. And when later they're like oh like like go just run down the checklist of here's how we handle this. It's just it's adorable. Yeah, stuff's memorized. And yeah, later on rituals. they they have like the whole thing memorized. They're just ready to go. Like bam, bam, bam. This is where I forgot that I was supposed to be taking notes, and I was just watching. (laughs) Um, And then a little, like, near the very end, basically, I was like, oh, (laughs) shoot. I tried to write down as much as I could, but... The phone rings, and it's Jerry! Hey, Jerry! Uh, The pilot has died. And they're like, oh, no. He died near... Oh, no, Jerry, we're sorry. (laughs) (laughs) He died near Nazareth. And they're like, well, that's ironic, all right. I didn't get that. Why do they say it was ironic? Because Jesus is from Nazareth. Yeah. They're linking to some biblical stuff here. Oh, okay. There's, they link in some, like, 40 minutes, 40 new mm, biblical yeah. numerology, demons and sulfur, and um, they make the connection that this demon is trying to finish the job. 
Yeah, but after hearing that, the way that Dean's like, oh, I shouldn't say how ironic that is. And the guy's like, what? After, like, telling him that his best friend died, he's like... Yeah, no, Dean wasn't reading. Dean needs to read the room. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he's like, I shouldn't say how, how ironic that is. And the guy's like, what? He's like, what? Uh, never mind. <laughs> so the, the next thing, they're like, okay, well, if they're going after the survivors, then we need to stop this stewardess who's going to be getting back on a plane in, yeah. in what, like, five hours? But, like but, we need to make it to Indianapolis by eight PM. We're never gonna make it. And Dean's like, We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna make it and I'm gonna drive unsafely. <laughs> Sorry. I just really wanted to say the um it just reminded me of Caillou was very happy to see her. Caillou! Ni how What? <laughs> so yeah, Dean is like, we're, we're gonna make it if I have anything to say about it. I'm gonna drive so fast. And say, so I was like, Dean, even with your reckless driving, we're probably not gonna make it. He's like, well, I'm gonna drive so unsafely in a car that's very old. <laughs> so they okay, they get to the airport. They still have some time. 30 minutes. They're, uh, they got they gotta stop that flight attendant. So they go to a courtesy phone. <laughs> which, which... Which now in the age of personal communication devices is a very strange thing to say. Yeah. And they're like, uh, gate 13, we want to speak to... Amanda Walker. Uh, yeah, Amanda Walker. So then there's, like, over the speakers, like, Amanda Walker, there's a call for you. Uh, and then she goes to the phone, she's like, uh, yes, who is it? And Dean, I, okay, so in this next bit, I give him props for rolling with the punches. Yeah. Yes. And improvising on his feet. His plan is a bad one. <laughs> <laughs> but I, but he is a fast thinker and can think on his feet. Once when, again, acknowledges how smart he is. Yeah. Um, he, uh, yeah, fast thinker, especially when, you know, just like, you know, just coming in in a stressful situation and just coming up with a lie like that and then just playing it. She, he tries to convince her that someone she's related to, her sister, Karen, her sister, Karen, um, has been in a car crash and he's a doctor at a hospital and her sister's been in a car crash and And she's like, like, he's like, it's nothing serious, but she does have a few broken bones and she's like. Um, and she's like, how is that possible? I just spoke to her. And he's like, well, you did. <laughs> oh, well, there must be some mistake because, and she's like, um, is this one of what Vince's, Vince's, Vince's friends? friends? And he's like, yes. Guilty as charged. Um, and then just sort of rolls with it. Like he's some like weird frat bro friend of Vince, whoever Vincent is. And mm-hmm. he's like, I'm he's sorry. He's like, man, he, he's, he's so pathetic. He just wants you back. You gotta, you gotta get back here. And she's like, oh, he's, well, he's pathetic. And she's like, really? I kind of want to see. (laughs) Yeah. I think, I don't, I feel like they might have been trying to go with, like, the, oh, I might want to get back with him or something like that. Yeah. But she was definitely conveying, like, oh. Oh, oh, he's being pathetic? He's hitting this, he's hitting the fan way harder than I did. I really want to see him in pain. (laughs) Um, Which, good for you. And she's like, have him give me a call when I land. And then gets off the phone and he's like, no, 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 I said, the bees are back. <laughs> Those little buggies. Yes, they, they board the Into plane. Into an air vent. <laughs> the, yes, the, 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 the weird little bugs board the plane. Um, that just reminds me of this one episode of Scooby-Doo Mystery Incorporated, when one of the things that was happening was there were these bees, and they were attacking, you know, all of the big capitalist guys. There were just these swarms of insects. This was a way darker episode. They were would go into these guys' cars. This one, the first guy that was targeted, it went into his car, 
and they ate him to death. Ooh. Scooby too. Yeah. Well, he 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 was recovered because he called like nine one one while he was frantic, and they like got him off him and he but he was like severely injured in the hospital, and then the next guy was taking a shower and all the bees started crawling out of his shirt out of his uh shower and gross. Then they realized that they weren't real bees. They were like mechanical. Yeah, they're well. They're usually like robots on that mm-hmm. show, right? Yeah, and it was like some like some nerd guy that they met in the first like few minutes that was helping them on a project or something. Mm-hmm. It's, so, always, it's always yeah. some nerd guy, or some capitalist. <laughs> it was some nerd guy that was angry at the capitalists that had like taken mm-hmm. some part of his land or something. But he basically almost killed the capitalist guy. So yeah, good for him. So, yeah, so we see the the the, the bugs board the plane. And then we get an interesting scene between Sam and Dean mm-hmm. that assists in setting up the formula for this show. Because um, until this point, they've you know been traveling, you know, traveling all over the country for these first four episodes in Dean's car. Mm-hmm. And it would make more sense if they needed to get someplace fast to stop a supernatural problem if they were to get on a plane. It would make more sense. Yes. They would be able to travel quicker and get to more places faster. But that's not the formula of the show. That's not what the show wants. They Having this classic car and doing like a great American road trip is part of the show's formula. So they need to establish why in this modern era they're doing that. And Dean is afraid of planes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he and Sam have this like altercation in, in the airport lobby where Sam's like, we got to stop that plane. We got to get on the plane. And Dean's like, or any other option we can think of. Mm-hmm. Literally anything else. And Sam's like, well, no, we got to get on the plane. That's the only thing. And, and Dean's like, no. <laughs> it's like, really, man? Oh, God. Please, please no. Please no. Please no. And Sam's like, uh, we either do it together or I do it alone. And I don't see a third option here. And Dean's like, yeah, I know me neither, but also no. But also, oh, man. So faced with his own, uh, you know, paralyzing fear... And the idea of Sam going into danger without him there to protect him, yeah. Dean chooses to board the plane also. And to my knowledge, this is the only time they are ever on a plane. Mm. I don't think they ever get on a plane again. <laughs> Makes sense. Um, well, yeah. yeah. It it justifies, this, this whole episode justifies Dean's fear of planes. Um, and Adds to it. <laughs> yeah. Dean's uh, just, just an anxious mess for the whole rest of the show. <laughs> <laughs> um, he's sitting there in his seat, humming Metallica to calm himself down. And they, they establish that they need to figure out if this flight attendant has been possessed. Because if she has, then she's going to, you know, cause the plane to crash 40 minutes in. So they've got they've got a timer. And ju- just every creak the plane makes, Dean is just freaking mm-hmm. out. Um, and then they share some demonic lore. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Demons need some emotional chink in the armor. So, like, you need to be in some kind of emotional distress for a demon to possess you. Like Mothman. No. Uh, Hawk Moth. Hawk Moth from Miraculous Ladybug. Yes. Not Mothman. <laughs> Not Mothman. <laughs> <laughs> I, always, I always get their names, like, fumbled. But, yeah, Hawk yes. Moth. Yes. Just like the little Akuma. Yeah. Evil eyes him. Just the way that, like, a person stubs their toe or, like, falls off their scooter and starts crying, and then they get a message from Hawk Moth, like, I can help you, and then their Akuma becomes, like, you know, a scooter or something. Now, that, 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 the idea that demons need some sort of emotional way to get to possess you is interesting, 
and I don't think used ever again. <laughs> yeah. I think from here on out, demons just possess whoever they want. There's also they also bring up they're like, okay, well we got we gotta figure out how if, if she's a if she's a demon, how do we do that? And he's like, oh, we got tests for that. And he's he brought a bottle of holy water on the plane. And Sam's like, like uh, we can be a little more subtle about this. She will flinch at the name of God if you say it in Latin. Also something I don't think they bring up ever again. <laughs> and they have, like, a cute little brother, like, like, hey, Dean, what? <laughs> it's gotta be in Latin. You gotta say it in Latin. I know. No, I'm not, I'm not I'm an not idiot. Stupid. Hey, Dean, uh, what? It's it's Christo in, in Latin. It's I know that. I'm not stupid. <laughs> so then he goes back and, tr- and does, like, a has, like, a weird, like, kind of, like, try- trying to flirt with her moment where yeah. he's trying to figure out if she's a demon. And then he's just, like, yeah, he's just, like, can't figure out a way to work Christo into a sentence. So Under his breath, Christo. Christo. And she's like, what? <laughs> Christo? Christo? It's like, I'm, I'm sorry, I don't what? know what you're saying. It's like, oh, never mind. Anyway, never mind. It's like, <laughs> you're not a demon. That's what I'm trying to say. And then you... <laughs> no, that this, 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 like, kind of tentative testing to see if she's possessed by a demon makes sense for, for them being such, you know, er- early in their hunting career, mm-hmm. relatively early. Um, later on, they do not mess around. They think somebody's possessed... The holy water is the first thing that comes out. Like it's like you, you're this, this, this will burn someone, someone who's a demon. Get out the squirt bottle. Like <laughs> the the uh, Dasani water bottle with the <laughs> with the sippy cup top. Yeah, it's they they do not mess around. They do not have time for that. So Sam is like Dean, you're panicking, which leaves you open for demonic possession. Calm down. <laughs> and that whole time before he said that, when Dean is freaking out, the moment they get on the plane, I'm sitting here thinking, like, he's going to get possessed. Yeah. He's going to get possessed. <laughs> it certainly seemed like they were leaning that way and trying to lead us to believe that. So there was a bit of a bait and switch there. That yeah. They're like, oh, well, they're setting this up so that Dean gets possessed. They did not. <laughs> so, you know, Dean's trying to calm himself down. The, they're, the, Sam, Sam's going through the... Um, the dad journal, mm-hmm. looking looking for something to help them. And he finds this um, exorcism ritual that has two parts. One to get the demon actually out of the physical body, and then one to send it to hell. I also don't think this gets used later. They have an exorcism ritual later. And part of the exorcism... Maybe they... I, they, they don't veer away from this as obviously as some of their other lore here. Um, but usually when they exercise a demon later, they, ju- they just kick it out of the body. They don't, I don't, it doesn't send it back to hell. I don't know if they just don't have time for that <laughs> or if they just forget about that. Cause also then like much then, you know, later, later, they don't really exercise demons anymore because they have a magic knife that kills demons. <laughs> so they just stab the person and the person dies too. <laughs> oh, they just start killing people later. So like I... Yeah, I guess spoiler. They they their 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 protocol for dealing with demons changes as they have less and less time to deal with small potatoes things. And this demon gives off very small potato vibes compared to some of the other demons they meet later. Mm. Um, this this guy is either com- just just not expecting to deal with people who know he's there, yeah, or is bad at his job because um. When they're, you know, looking or trying to, try to they're, they're on a time limit. They're running out of time. They're trying to find the demon. They're walking up and down the plane with Dean's handmade EMF yeah. reader, trying to, trying to figure out who's possessed. Um, and they think like, well, maybe it's not even on the plane. And they're like, that's not our luck. The co-pilot comes out of a door 
and heads into the cockpit and it, the EMF reader starts going off and Dean's like, oh shit, Christo. <laughs> and he turns around with, with black eyes before going into the cockpit. I say that this demon must either be bad at his job, must be he must be bad at his job because he was, like, his demon thing was triggered. Yeah. He heard somebody say Christo and then he turned around and made eye contact with Dean and then just, like, didn't do anything about yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. And was and they were able to then get the stewardess in the next little bit. They're like, okay, well, we've got 12 minutes to crash time. We do not have time for the truth is out there talk. Mm-hmm. So uh, here we go again, just dumping all kinds of stuff on this lady <laughs> and trying to convince her to lure the demon-possessed co- co-pilot out of the cockpit, which at this point, the demon should be on high alert. Mm-hmm. That right. someone knows about him. Yeah. Like, he made eye contact with Dean. Dean was holding an EMF reader. Made eye contact with him as Dean said, Christo. That's a red flag for a demon, you would think. But... And then he's just like, oh, there's something weird and mysterious going on in the back room? A problem? You want me to go alone? Yeah. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it is a, it is sort of established later that, like, you know, the the grunt-type demons are, are not that bright. Yeah. So I have to think it's one of those guys. But like this is some some Even over so. overcompetent over overconfidence and incompetence mm-hmm. on, on the demon's part Plus, that these these two guys who've never dealt with a demon are able to get the jump on him. Yeah. After revealing themselves as hunters. Plus, I mean, would he still be like a rough and tough grunt demon if he was going after all of these people individually and like finding them and figuring out who? I guess. What, what do you mean? Like. I don't know. I just feel like it doesn't really match how stupid he is to what he's doing. Well, I don't know. Maybe he's got a formula, and he's sticking to it. Yeah, that's true. There even are, the line, even the down, yeah. like down to the line. He's and he's got like there are easier ways to kill people. Like he's got a, he's got a thing that he does, which is possess people and get the planes to crash. Yeah, there weren't supposed to be survivors, but some people survived. So he's got to get them all on planes because he does, isn't, isn't a creative thinker. Yeah. yeah. Okay, well then, I guess he does. So so I guess, yeah, I guess it's not like inconsistent. He's just like compared to some of the demons we meet later, this guy's not very good at his job. <laughs> <laughs> um, And like lucky for them that this is the first demon they're encountering. Yeah. They're able to get the jump on him and knock him, knock him to the ground. And yeah, Amanda leads him back. Uh, to that little little back room, and uh, Dean punches the uh, possessed co-pilot, and then they start tackling him. Got duct tape on his mouth, spray holy, holy water. water, and we see it, it start to sizzle and pop and cook this guy, who's and they're doing this in front of the civilian lady, <laughs> who's like, "You were just supposed to talk to him." What? And they're like, uh, yeah, about that, we need you to leave right now so we can torture him. <laughs> and also make sure no one else comes in here, okay, you, bye. You, you can do that, you can do that, right? You can do that. She's like, uh. She's like, uh, uh, uh. And Sam's like, Amanda. And she's like, okay. And she just stands outside, like, standing there, like, with her hands, uh, like, to her front, just holding her hands together. Like, looking around like, huh, this is normal. And there's, like, screaming going on behind her and grunting. And no one looks like there's anything Weird happening. Apparently it's not loud enough to be heard over the engines. I don't know. No one else is reacting to the torture scene happening in the back. <laughs> That's um, only closed off by a curtain. Yeah. Um, so they're, you know, hold, trying to hold, trying to get through the this two-part exorcism ritual 
while holding this guy down who's struggling, who has been established to have superhuman strength, but they can hold yeah, him, but they, they but they, but they can hold him down. I guess the holy water is supposed to help with that. Yeah, maybe, maybe. he's incapacitated. It was sure, which like sure, and then he ki- is able to kick the holy water away, and and then he and also kicks kick, the journal, kick, kick the journal with the script in it down the hallway. But they are Sam is able to get through the first part of the ritual, but not before the demon grab gets the duct tape off his mouth and tells Sam, "I know what happened to your girlfriend." Yikes. Yeah. And he says, even now, she's burning. Oh, Sam. Oh, Sam. Oh, Sam. Um, but they're able to get him out of the body, and then, whoop, the demon is in the plane. <laughs> Escapes into the vents. And Putin is now possessing the plane, and now the plane is crashing. Hooray! Mm-hmm. So Sam's got to run out there, grab the book, and start the second part of this ritual, because at this point, Dean is useless. Yeah. Dean? <laughs> Dean has braced himself at this, the end of the plane in this back little room, uh, and screaming, just screaming, <laughs> and it's just like Dean is never getting on a plane again. No. It does not matter. No. Dean is never getting on a plane again, and I completely understand. Yep. <laughs> Sam, it does, it, you know, heroically makes it through the you know, you know the there's wind whipping past his hair and everybody's screaming and there's lightning in the plane. Yeah, two thousand five CGI. Two thousand five CGI. Sam makes it through the exorcism, and then everything, it it apparently just fixes it. The engine stabilizes, the plane comes level, and it's fine? Everything's fine. We assume the demon was sent to hell by that. I guess they just trust their dad's journal. Just, well, I guess that worked. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. And Dean, Dean has a, kind of a weird look on his face when he looks at Sam. It's kind of like, I don't know what, what that look is, but it, it was... No, that, he, it was... And then he slowly shakes his head, like, twice... To be like, it looks like he's saying no, but but I don't know why. It he definitely made an acting choice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not sure what it was, <laughs> but it was a Jensen acting choice. Yeah. <laughs> Our next scene is you know sort of the ending scene. We're in the airport terminal where the authorities are debriefing everyone, and the the pilot who was possessed doesn't even remember getting on the plane. We see the stewardess giving her report to the authorities, and the guy asks her a question. She turns to them. He's looking at her, and she mouths, thank you. And the guy doesn't, he, he doesn't look over at them or anything. He's still staring at her, waiting for the, to answer the question. She's like, oh, yeah, anyway. And he's just like, oh, okay. Yeah, so we don't get, Dean doesn't get a kiss for this one. But if she hadn't been being actively interviewed, she probably would have given Dean a kiss. Yeah. Even though she just watched him torture a person. It, it was that kind of setup. Yeah. So, and Sam's a little, we we can tell, is a little bit, understandably, mm-hmm. uh, broken up over the, uh, what the demon said, that he knows what happened to Jess, that she's even now still burning. Yikes. And Dean's like, hey man, don't let it get to you. Demons read minds and lie. That's all this is. In the moment, of course, they don't know what's going to happen next in the show, neither do I, but I feel like, yeah, a whole setup for season one is they're going to find Dad and the cause of their mom's death and the girlfriend's death, probably. This is this is the mystery of season one, is we're trying to figure this out. Is there an individual mystery every season? Like, overlapping big mystery or big the, problem? The overall arc of the show, the structure of that changes. Mm. Some seasons have, like, a single season arc. Some are much wider reaching. Sometimes they they kind of lose the overall arc 
and wander their way through character motivations. <laughs> um, at least for the first three seasons, it's very Monster of the Week. The first season especially. Seasons two and three, we start to get glimpses of other stuff going on. When do we meet Cass? We don't meet Cass until season four. Okay. <laughs> I know, I know, I miss him too, and look forward to that, but we do have to get through the first three seasons, three seasons before we can meet everybody's favorite angel. And at this point, when they were making the show, they did not know they, they were going to have, they, they didn't know Cass was going to be on the show. They didn't know that they were going to connect it to angels mm -hmm. yet. On a rewatch, that's interesting because they're bringing up some biblical stuff. Yeah. Right. And, the, and I know there are some things coming up that... Big foreshadowing that they didn't mean. Big accidental foreshadowing. It would have been really funny if they ended up just playing it off as like, yeah, we knew that. We knew what we were doing. No, they make mistakes like that all the time. But it, 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 it when it works in their favor, it's, it's really weird. In um, some cases, the show is bad and just bad. But in other cases, it is so bad that it is actually good. That they like... Yeah. Make so much mistakes that they're like, oh, this actually did something? Oh, hey, this worked. Oh, <laughs> this is not at all what we intended. Good for us. We didn't do anything. We take credit. <laughs> <laughs> we get a, a scene, the last scene, Jerry, goodbye, Jerry. He's thanking them for all oh, their yeah. hard work. Thank you for solving this demon problem. He's like, um, uh, I know what you guys did. Nobody yeah. else will, but, but, but I but, know. <laughs> but I know, and thank you. You guys are the ones I know to call. And Dean's like, hey, by the way, I've only had this phone for six months. How'd you get this number? And he's like, oh, well, I was trying to get in touch with John, and his voicemail said to call you. He was, he was unavailable. And Sam and Dean just, like, look at each other like, oh, okay. And he's like, hey, you know, th thanks again, guys. Bye. And Sam's like, like, listen, I've tried to, we've tried to call Dad. And his phone's just out of, out of order. Like, it, there's, there's nothing to, there. So they try again, and we get to hear John's voice. We hear John's voice for the first time since we see him in the, the opener in 1983. And the it's just a pretty standard voicemail message that's like, hey, uh, I am unavailable. If it's an emergency, call Dean at this number. And he'll be able to help you. He, he can help you. Sam is pissed. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, because they are working so hard to find their dad. And their dad knows that they're out and about apparently mm -hmm. knows that they're out and about enough to be able to take cases but is not getting in touch with them and their dad is their only link to jess's murder so that he is on purpose now staying out of reach is rightfully pissing sam off mm -hmm. and dean poor dean john is dumping all of this responsibility on dean like mm -hmm. what is john doing at this point mm -hmm. He, John, who, I mean, we now realize has, you know, given out the, his phone number to, to you know, people who they, they've helped, who, who might need it again. John is someone you call um, in a supernatural emergency. He's just forwarding all that work onto Dean. Yeah. All of that responsibility. So now John, we know that John knows that this is what they're doing, that they're out and about hunting, doing cases, saving people, hunting things. And he's just, he's just having Dean assume all that responsibility all over again. Mm -hmm. Take care of Sammy. Run the family business. Who knows what he's doing. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it's just, ugh. Fuck John Winchester. 
makes me so mad. Mm-hmm. And then we have a rock music car outro where they're both kind of angry that this is what their dad is up to and they get back in the car and head out of town. So that's the end of season one, episode four. Um, thoughts? General thoughts from the group? It was interesting. I don't really know if I... I mean, I enjoyed it, but, like, it wasn't my favorite. What, what has been... What I was, liked Jerry. I liked yeah, Jerry. Yeah, I liked Jerry, too. Um, I like Jerry. I like... I liked that this is... That we now see that there are people in the world who know what's going on, mm-hmm. who know that there are people you can call in mm-hmm. this kind of emergency, and who, like, he, he's not actively in this world, but even though he's not actively in this world, he's there to provide them with resources, which sort of sets up that kind of character archetype for later, when there are people who are in, are in this world, in, you know, aware of and active participants in the supernatural world, who can, who are not necessarily active hunters, but fulfill, like, a support role in the hunter world. Right. Um, it, it sets up that kind of character that they can return back to. I don't think they come back to Jerry, but that's the archetype that um, that gets set up there. Um, I remembered this episode, not, like, the general plot. I remember the general plot, but I d- didn't remember the details or really any specific scenes or the characters. But I remember the... <laughs> But I remembered the general vibe. Uh, and the general vibe was that, that I remembered from the episode was Dean is afraid of airplanes. And I remembered this because I am also afraid of airplanes and have been for a long time. But not just like, not just flying on airplanes. It's the, the whole, everything surrounding airplanes. So getting to the airport on time, getting your luggage packed, getting your luggage checked, getting your luggage on the plane and losing your luggage. Making sure you have your ticket. Do you have your passport? There's just just everything that leads up to that, including the plane flight, which I have no control over. Getting to my destination without my own transportation, having to sort that out. Just everything about travel stress is amplified on an airplane in the maximum. Some of that's also on, you know, like trains and on buses. There's some similar stress there. Planes are the worst. And all of that gets solidified into, I'm afraid, I'm too afraid to fly. And when I saw this episode, I felt so seen. (laughs) And I think probably similarly, a lot of the similar anxiety for Dean is the lack of control. Mm -hmm. Like, I know, like in my head, I know that driving a car is one of the most dangerous things you can do in your regular life. And is like, that's the most dangerous thing you do on a day-to-day basis. And so many more car accidents happen than plane crashes. You are far safer on a plane or a train. What's the statistic for biking? I don't know. I wonder how dangerous biking is. A different a difference with biking though is that you're not, is the time and the distance. You're not on a bike for the same length of time that you're I in guess, a car or on a plane. But I'm just saying, like, if someone doesn't have a a car and they bike everywhere, and like they have to bike on the road. It's probably dangerous because of cars yes. being dangerous. Yeah. Um, so I wonder what, like, ratio or... Um... I would have to look that up. Yeah. And I'm not going to do that right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Even, like, knowing that, that, that it, is, it is safer to be in a plane than in a car, the lack of control, the, it's the, the illusion of control 
makes me say like, nope, I, I will drive. <laughs> um, and I remember that this, that this episode so just solidified that part of my personality and I just assimilated it. It's like, well, Dean's afraid of planes and he is never getting on one again. Me neither. <laughs> That's it for me. Next time we're going to be discussing season one, episode five, Bloody Mary. Ooh. A, a classic, classic monster. So we get, we get to discuss that in that episode. And I, I remember, I remember this episode, I think. Is it spoopy? Yes. Um, hey, yeah. Heads up, uh, you two. You're going to be fine. I'm fine. I might be a little spooked. It might be a little spooky you for you. should watch it with Steven. I'll try to make Steven I, watch it. I, I think it's not as, as scary as you're probably expecting. I think no. it's not as scary as I remember it being. This is one of the ones that it could be spooky. Because, right. you, because you have... I mean, you get like... Like, it's it's the... And then they move so fast, it's creepy. Right. Thing. And the... the, the, the it's like staccato There's motions. There's something in the mirror. Mm-hmm. There's something in the mirror behind you. Vibes of the ring kind, yeah. kind of yeah. kind of situation. Um, I like that movie. Really? It was okay. Yeah. Right. It was a really good mystery, basically. Right. Um, I really like it because of that one guy in the background of the shot that was not supposed to be there. He <laughs> was this poor, like, I think he was just on set and he walked in at the wrong time and he was waiting for them to be over with the scene. He he thought he was out of the shot and he was just standing up against a wall with a with a water bottle in his hand and his eyes were completely wide and he was like trying not to breathe. He was like <gasps> <laughs> And then it was this really like serious scene where they were trying where they like figured out the mystery and they're like, Okay, we gotta go and then they walked out the door past him and he was like <laughs> <laughs> That's one of the main reasons why I like the movie. So, for, for I think for similar reasons why that movie is is spooky, the you know creepy movement, the scary girl, the it's also really sad. Yeah, well, most most horror movies are. It's, yeah, it's, you don't you don't get vengeful spirits unless there's been some tragedy. Yeah. So, um. So for for similar reasons, like that's gonna be why that's spooky but i don't think it's as spooky as you're probably as you may be expecting um because remember this was also on network television yeah so they can't be like super scary so yeah so join us next time for a discussion on season one episode five bloody mary this has been three idiots in a pod i am a host margaret i'm a host patricia and i'm a host bridget and we'll, we'll see you next time Bye. 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 Special thanks to Pixabay user The Laces Music Dude for the use of their song Bruff Music as our theme music. And special thanks to our dad, our first sponsor. Thanks, dad. You can find us at 3IdgetsPod on most of the internet. And get in touch with us by emailing 3IdgetsPod at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.